Welcome back to the Hanacast, everybody. My name is Christian, and today we, we got a lot of uh, interesting topics to talk about. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the Gold Derby polls, like the Gold Derby Oscar polls are open, and we're going to be seeing what people are predicting for the Oscars next year. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the insane reviews for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and how I might just be wrapped up in a Twitter controversy. Uh, nothing really serious, obviously. Like, it, mainly just, like, like wild Oscar prediction stuff that really doesn't matter. I'm not actually in trouble or anything. It's just... It's a little goofy. And honestly, maybe next week I should probably use this as an opportunity to do, like, an Oscar retrospective. Or at least, like, looking... Maybe I, maybe not calling it a retrospective, because I know the Oscar expert already calls it a retrospective. But granted, I'm pretty sure he's not the, like, the first one to do, like, you know, looking back... Videos where, you know, looking back at past Oscars and talking about the nominees and what won and stuff. Uh, but... I don't know. I, I probably like. I'll probably call it something else, but you know, I will be talking about the 2021 Oscars, where it was that weird COVID year, where like the theaters were shut down, uh, movies, pr pretty much all of them were just going to streaming, and they even extended the Oscar eligibility to to like early 2021 i'm gonna be talking about all that whole mess next week but uh today uh i'm gonna be talking about you know some of the stuff that you know i've, I've just been discussing recently and also i will say if you want to support me, uh, well, first of all, thank you if you're listening to this on Spotify or if you're uh, watching the YouTube video version of this podcast. But if you want to support me directly, I got a Ko-Fi page up, ko-fi.com slash Christian Hanna. Uh, you can support me via, like, like, you, like you can support me either like from a first-time tip or a monthly uh, subscription of sorts, and it'll sort of be like a... A thing where I'm like, I'll, I'll do like, you know, Q and A's and stuff. Uh, uh, maybe member requested reviews and stuff. We'll have to see. Or you can become a channel member on the YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on. And if you want to support me directly, you know where to go. Uh, but you know, speaking of the Oscars, let's talk about the gold derby Oscar polls. The, they are open. People are predicting these are from like experts. Like these are like expert, um, you know, uh, predictions. These are expert. These are uh, um, expert predictions of the Oscars for next year. God, I can't speak so far. They only have like a handful of categories, like best picture director, the acting categories and screenplay. I, I do wish they had more of like the tech categories this early in the year, because I want to predict those. Those are really fun. I feel like those don't get enough love. But, you know, you can't wait again. It seems like so far, uh, the top five for best picture, uh, number one is Killers of the Flower Moon. Number two is Oppenheimer. Number three is The Color Purple. Number four is Past Lives. And number five of all things is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is crazy. Like, already... Like, pe like, like people are taking this seriously as an Oscar contender, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I still want to see that film. I need to see that film so badly so I can understand the context of it all. Uh, but regardless, over, like, I'm, I'm, especially I'm kind of surprised that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is over Dune Part 2. 
Uh, now, granted, Dude Part 2 has, it's at number six, and it has nine uh, experts predicting it for Best Picture, whereas Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has eight people, has eight, has eight experts predicting it, but more, but more people are predicting Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse for the win than Dune Part 2, which is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm really wondering if this is actually going to happen. If Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is actually going to happen for Best Picture. Because it, it, there's so many things going against it. It's a sequel. It's an animated film. It's a superhero film. So, like, three things already going against it. So that's going to be tough. But right now, but right right now, it's like the fact that it's at number five. And also, at the Hollywood Critics Association Awards uh, this year, the they or they have the they had I think it was the half. The, the, the mid-year Hollywood Critics Association Awards, the half-year awards, uh, celebrating the movies from the first half of the year. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse actually beat Past Lives, which is kind of crazy that Spider-Man... Because, like, everyone's been talking about Past Lives. And I'm even predicting Past Lives to win Best Picture. I'm kind of surprised that's all the way down to number four. Because I don't see Killers of the Flower Moon winning Best Picture. I don't see Oppenheimer winning Best Picture. I don't see The Color Purple winning Best Picture. I feel like I don't have a good argument for any of these other movies winning Best Picture other than Past Lives. But the fact that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was able to beat Past Lives, which was seemingly like this big juggernaut, and probably will be a juggernaut later in the season. Like, obviously, it's not going to get a bunch of, you know, text. Like, it's not going to get cinematography or visual effects or, or anything like that. But in terms of, like, above-the-line potential, I it's going to go... I think it could go all the way. Um, at least in terms of nominations. Whereas with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse actually beat past lives at Hollywood Critics' Choice. That is insane. Because, like, last year, you know, even though everyone was riding the high off of Top Gun Maverick, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once still managed to beat Top Gun Maverick for Best Picture at the mid-season awards last year. So, could Spider-Man actually pull that pull off a best picture nomination it like people won't let it go like people like like i said this because here's the thing i've always said if you're going to nominate uh spider-man across the spider-verse for best picture you cannot shut you cannot shut up about this movie like you need to treat this like in everything everywhere you need to treat this like a top gun maverick just keep talking about how amazing the film is keep keep talking about oh man could this actually get nominated because the more you say that it could the more likely it could happen so with spider-man across the spider-verse like i'm becoming more convinced i mean even though i did have it in my top 10 uh and I, pro I probably will show you my uh, gold derby predictions so far, but right now, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse really is not letting loose. It is, it is hanging in there. I mean, hell, if, if it's a no the number five above Dune Part Two, that's kind of insane. And if and if Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is going to get nominated for Best Picture, I've I've always said it needs a few other categories. It needs adapted screenplay. It needs best sound, and it needs either score or song. 
because, you know, obviously there was Beauty and the Beast, but like, uh, if we go to the two more recent examples of this, uh, with Up and Toy Story 3, Up was nominated for original screenplay, sound editing, and it won original score. And then you have Toy Story 3, which was nominated for adapted screenplay, sound editing, and it won Best Original Song. Now, I'm not saying Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has to win score or song uh, to win or to get nominated for Best Picture. It doesn't need to do that. But I feel like those categories are pretty uh, integral. Like, I see some people... Now, granted, I see some people predicting Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse for visual effects. I'm... I'm not there quite yet. Granted, I, I've not seen the film, so maybe, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But the problem with nominating, with trying to predict an animated film for visual effects is that it truly needs to be groundbreaking and truly needs to be doing something, not just a little bit ahead of what's, you know, of what animation is capable of. I mean, far ahead of what animation is capable of. Because again, you look at the Nightmare Before Christmas. The Nightmare Before Christmas was really groundbreaking in terms of stop motion animation because like no one had ever seen a stop motion animated movie of that scale before. Uh, with that many characters and that kind of crazy production design. And then you have Kubo and the Two Strings, which I think people really underestimate how much of a leap forward that was in stop motion because it was this huge fantasy epic. It was gigantic in scale, big action sequences. No one had ever seen anything like that before. But then in more recent years, people have, and then there was also the Lion King remake, which some people don't even think is an animated movie, even though it is an animated movie. The Lion King remake was the first animated film to be completely photoreal. Like it looked like, like it looked like live action. It looks like so much like live action to where, um, uh, it looks so much like live action to where people still think it's live action, even though it's not literally the only live action sequence in the film is the opening sunrise. And even then you can find way more live action material in like Wally or the Lego movie. So there you have it. So and in more recent years, people have tried to predict some animated films for visual effects like soul, even though in the barren visual effects year, that was 2020 people tried to predict uh, soul for visual effects, but I don't think it went far enough again. It, like it, it was, it's definitely very pretty, but in terms of being truly groundbreaking in visual effects, it wasn't granted, you know, you can only be so groundbreaking in 2020, but the fact that soul couldn't get in and yet Mulan did, I think it just shows that like even soul wasn't groundbreaking enough, even in a year where there's where, where you couldn't really break any new ground considering all the competition was just gone. And so, yeah. And then you had last year or like, I guess technically this year's Oscars where people tried to predict, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio for visual effects. Actually, maybe I could say last year because the shortlist came out last year, or at least the, the, the 20 film shortlist and the 10 film shortlist for visual effects. People tried to predict Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. People were like, Oh, that's going to happen. But once I saw the movie, I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to happen. Like it's, it's a very, again, it's a very pretty movie, but it's not really moving forward. Stop motion that much. 
It's not really moving forward animation to to like new heights like Kubo and the Two Strings or The Lion King or or Nightmare Before Christmas. It's not it's not a really groundbreaking film. It's just a ve- it's just very pretty and it has very good production design, which is I think a big misconception that people need to, or at least a big difference that people need to have when it, especially when it comes to nominating. Uh, or like predicting animated films for visual effects. There's a difference between the production design of it all and the visual effects aspect of it because the visual effects aspect of it is about like the innovation of how the, that animation was achieved, how like, and all that stuff. And the production design is just mainly like how something, you know, how just the overall design of everything looks. So, so basically what I'm saying is Guillermo Toro's Pinocchio didn't really go far enough for a visual effects nomination at the Oscars. But now we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which again, I do need to see this, but I need to be convinced, but in, 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 I, I, how do I describe it? In, in me saying the, oh, I need, I still really need to see it, but again, I don't have any money right now, but that's beside the point. I need to see it because I need to see if this truly does elevate animation to like the next level and not just like looking, you know, very pretty like a, uh, Guillermo Torres Pinocchio or a soul. I mean, truly groundbreaking, like those three animated films that got nominated for visual effects, something truly groundbreaking and large in scale that no one has ever seen before or even conceived of. It needs to be because, like animated films, that's why so many. That's why so few animated films have ever been nominated for visual effects. That's why so few animated films have ever been nominated for visual effects because it is harder for an animated film to truly show us something that is leaps ahead of what we are capable of seeing. Uh, whereas, what you know, with a lot of live action stuff, you know, you can. There's always the idea of making something look more real. You know, how do uh, the how do the apes look in Planet of the Apes compared to you know how they looked back in with what was it called with King Kong in 2005 or you know the the visual effects achievements of you know Avatar: The Way of Water compared to Avatar back then and Avatar back then to co- compared to what it was what was going on back there. Like it's a lot more apparent for live action films to be significantly more groundbreaking than the competition. Whereas with Spider, whereas with animation, it is a lot harder because uh, you might be like obviously lots of animated films are probably doing something kind of new, but with animation, you need to do something so noticeable that everyone's attention is on that. So. And so that's why I'm not really sure about Spider-Man Across the spider versus visual effects chances. Uh, we'll have to see. And I definitely need to see, you know, I need to see the movie, obviously. Uh, but th- there's a reason why only three animated films have ever been nominated for visual effects. Because the competition is tough. It's, if you're, especially if you're an animated film. It is absolutely tough. But regardless. Yeah, let's, but regardless, yeah, let's talk about some of the, uh, contenders here killers of the flower moon i don't really see why that's number one on gold derby right now i think it's probably the easiest lock for a nomination but in terms of winning i, I just, it's never gonna i don't think it, it would ever win again i've not seen it uh but it's just i don't know if this is the i don't i don't know if a scorsese film is gonna win best picture ever again the plenty of nominations in the future sure 
But, I mean, even The Irishman, with as many nominations as it got, it won nothing. And then you have, at number two, Oppenheimer. I feel like this is going to, I don't think this is going to win Best Picture, but it is very timely. It is a very timely film uh, because of the threat of nuclear war. Uh, I do feel like there's a like there's a lot that, that could be saying about this that that could be said about this film, or at least what this film is trying to say. And it's definitely Christopher Nolan's most writey movie in terms of writing. But I'll get to the writing when we get to that. I think Oppenheimer, unless something goes south, like it would have to be like catastrophic. Right now, I think Oppenheimer is also a very good lock in for a nomination. The Color Purple, I'm still, I'm very confident. Although, who knows? Maybe this movie's not that great. We'll have to see. But, yeah, I, I do think uh, the Color Purple is a is a very has a very good shot for a nomination. Past Lives, I'm surprised it's not number four. I think it should be number one. Because I get, I don't have a good argument for a lot of these other films. Which, granted, we're probably not even seeing all the competition yet, but still, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I've already said that. Dune Part Two. The first one was nominated. I'm very sure this film is going to get nominated as well. Although I'm not as certain about Dune Part Two winning as many texts as the first Dune did. Like the first Dune won six Oscars. I don't, and I don't, and with competition like, um, like Killers of the Flower Moon and Barbie, if Barbie's a best picture contender, if Barbie's not a best picture contender, then I think Dune Part 2 is going to win more, is going to win some more of those texts, but we'll have to see. Maestro, I still have no idea what to feel about Maestro. I, when it comes to films like Maestro or Saltburn, I'm scared of predicting those films because we've seen what happens when you have a sophomore film. Like, it's like there's always that that possibility of like the sophomore filmmaker's film, like second film, like the, the new the new filmmaker's second film not being as good as the best picture nominated first film, uh, and it ends up underwhelming. I mean, you know, look at for example, Us, directed by Jordan Peele. At the beginning of the year, I'm willing to bet everyone was predicting that for Best Picture. I mean, especially me. Like, I was like, oh, hell yeah, us. But it wasn't anywhere as good as Get Out. And then especially when you got Nope, it's like, all right, yeah. It seems like Jordan Peele was mainly a one-hit wonder. Uh, So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about Maestro and Saltburn, even though I think I'm predicting Saltburn. For original screenplay, but it's kind of down there. But at the same time, I, do, I don't have a lot of other arguments. But right now, I, I would not like now to, for context for the audio listeners. Maestro is at number seven, and Saltburn is at number sixteen. So obviously, people are not really predicting Saltburn for best picture, at least not the experts. Uh, and I I just need to see w- the response for Maestro. If it's gotten like a really a really really good response. Then yeah, I I think it'll be safe to predict. Uh, then at number eight you have Air, which I'm surprised it's not higher. This is like easily like the dad movie nominated for best picture. Like I could eat like I could easily see this getting nominated for best picture. 
I mean, hell, I, mean, I really loved it. I thought Air was great. Uh, obviously, some like there are some. Hmm. Uh, sorry, there are some people who think okay, it's, it's just fine. But I feel like th there is a big passion for this film. Like there is a demographic that is loving, loving, loving Air. So, there, so I do think that has better chances than maybe Gold Derby is suspecting. I easily think it has better odds than Maestro. Like, I think it has way better odds than Maestro. Uh, this is the one I don't understand. Number nine is Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott. I'm just like, have we not learned anything? Have we not learned anything about Ridley Scott? His films are so hit or miss. Not only are his films so hit or miss, they rarely get nominated for Best Picture. Like, the last Ridley Scott film to be nominated for Best Picture was The Martian. And before that, you'd have to go all the way back to Gladiator. And even when you have great movies like The Last Duel, they don't get anywhere close to Best Picture. And then, at the same time, he'll also make some films that are just not that good, like House of Gucci, that didn't, again, didn't get anywhere near Best Picture. Probably the closest it ever got was a SAG nomination for Ensemble. Like, that's it. Why are people predicting Napoleon? I don't understand this. I really don't. Like, there are way better things. Like, there are way more obvious choices you could pick above Napoleon. Napoleon, I do not... Like, it, it's not good. I, I'm calling it right now. It will not get close. Mm. Wait a minute. I'm looking at the thing right now. This is kind of weird. For some reason, Napoleon is at number nine and Air is at number six, despite the fact that Napoleon has eight uh, experts predicting it for a Best Picture nomination and Air has seven. So that means they think Napoleon has better odds at a Best Picture nomination, really, than Air. What? No, 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 no. No, I don't, I don't understand that. Why Napoleon? Why? Like, like, look, I'm not saying Napoleon can't be a best picture nominee. Mm. It very well could be, but the problem is that I Ridley Scott is too unreliable. He is so unreliable. And every, like every time he's making a new movie, people want to throw in the possibility. Hey, could this get nominated for best picture? And then it doesn't even happen. People thought that with, what was it called? With All the Money in the World, that didn't happen. People thought that with The Last Duel, that didn't happen. House of Gucci, despite the marketing being really good, House of Gucci didn't even really live up to anyone's expectations. So no, I don't know why Napoleon is at number, like technically number eight. I don't understand this. I, I, I just don't. I, I really don't. At number 10, Gold Derby has the Zone of Interest, which I feel like has way better odds than maybe we're giving it credit for because the, the Zone of Interest definitely sounds like a a, be, a Best Picture uh, nominee. It's, it's definitely going get to get in at the BAFTAs. So I could, I, I would probably, like, I would easily maybe have this in a either top five or top something or other. Uh, so I, 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 I just don't know why it's all the way down at number 10. Uh, 
because I, I feel like this is going to be a film that a lot of people are going to really love. Uh, and number 11 is The Piano Lesson, which I didn't even know was, like, it wasn't even on my radar, to be honest. It was not on my radar. But uh, apparently this is the new film that's based off of an August Wilson play. And like sort of, sort of like Fences and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Th- Although there are some people wondering if this is even going to be released this year. And that's interesting. If it is released this year, I might uh, predict it for some awards, at least in some of the acting categories. Because I feel like this is like, had I known about this, I would have been like, all right, now we're getting somewhere. I don't think it's going to get adapted screenplay because I feel like plays in general don't get nominated for Oscars, like for screenplay Oscars a lot, especially not in recent years with like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom not getting in, uh, The Whale not getting in. And of course, obviously the musicals like West Side Story and Tick, Tick, Boom. Like, unless this is like really transforming the screenplay to fit a film medium where it's like this screenplay is unmistakably a film screenplay and not just a carbon copy of the play. Like, let's say if it's doing some, some stuff like the father where the father was definitely like, like you would not know it's a movie based on a play because it is inherently very the very film like the, the, the at least the movie of the father like lots of like uh cinematography choices production design choices editing a lot of that is inherently tied to film so unless the piano lesson manages to do something like that i don't think it's going to get in screenplay but if the piano lesson is coming out this year i might keep like i might keep an eye on it the holdovers uh, I'm hurt. I'm hearing some stuff or at least mainly, or okay. At the very least, like I'm, I've watched like, you know, the Oscar experts video on this, uh, where apparently this is not like downsizing and it's a lot more like what you would think, uh, you know, Alexander Payne's movies are like, uh, so if that's the case, if it's more like classic, uh, Alexander Payne, this probably could get a nomination. It's at, like, currently it's at number 12 on gold derby. So we'll see number 13 is Barbie, which I run honestly, it's a little bit lower than I thought it was going to be, but at the same time I do get it. Cause I'm not sure if I would predict this movie right now either. I think, I mean, Barbie is getting ready to come out. It's getting ready to come out in a few weeks or so. So if it, the, th- the thing I'm worried about with Barbie is, is this going to be too good to be true? Like all this stuff about, you know, Barbie getting in for best picture, uh, Ryan Gosling winning best supporting actor. Is this too good to be true? I don't know. I I don't know. Now, if it does manage to live up to those expectations and it's like high nineties on Rotten Tomatoes, then yeah, we, I, I, I will probably have to predict this for best picture, even though that would mean that we have one, two, and th- three Warner Brothers movies in for Best Picture. That would be nuts. Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Is at number 14? Um, with three prediction, with three people predicting? I wouldn't be surprised. Well, actually, no, actually, at this point, I kind of would be surprised. What am I saying? I would be surprised. Uh, because this film flopped so badly, despite being one of the most critically acclaimed films of the year. I think it will be lucky if it gets adapted screenplay. It will be lucky if, if that happens. Uh, 
But, oh, God. It's just such a shame. Because, like, everyone seems to be just loving this film. But, yeah. Number 15 is honestly a shock that it's this low, and that's Anatomy of a Fall. Which is, like, I think the, the Palma d'Or winner this year at uh, Cannes. And this is all the way down at number 15. That's strange. I feel like Anatomy of a Fall, once again, would be in my top 10 uh, for predicting. At least going off of what a lot of what, off of what a lot of people are saying, uh, I feel like that that could definitely happen. I, I feel like that's gonna happen, or at least right now, I think it's gonna happen. So, yeah, uh, Saltburn. I've already said what I think about Saltburn. I don't. I'm. I need to see what people think about Saltburn before trying to predict it because, I mean, again, it's a sophomore filmmakers. Uh, a, a film or like, like it's, it's a filmmaker's second film w with Emerald Fennell. So I need to see where this goes before I predict it. And then there's some other ones like Asteroid City. I don't know if that's going to happen. Book of Clarence. I don't even know what that is. Next Goal Wins. I feel like it'd be a little bit too... Uh, I don't know. First, here's my thing about Next Goal Wins. I don't think it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be really good. I mean, because like... I don't know why people are, why people are like complaining about Taika Waititi, like saying he's a bad filmmaker just because he made Thor: Love and Thunder. I feel like calling a filmmaker just a bad filmmaker because of one film maybe you didn't like out of like a whole library of other films. I feel like that's a really stupid thing to say. But at the same time, even though I think it's gonna be really good, I don't think Next Goal Wins is going to be nominated for anything really. Maybe Writers Guild. But then again, I don't know. So, like, eh, I don't know. It, it just seems like a sports comedy, which maybe there's some stuff in there that we don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a lot of, like, good depth in this film. But right now, it just feels... It, it just feels too crowd-pleasing to be nominated for Best Picture. Poor Things is at number 20. Uh... I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I did actually just see the favorite last night, uh, but something about poor things. I don't know. It looks way too weird. It looks way too we it looks way too weird for something to be nominated for best picture, uh, and probably nothing with a lot of like emotional depth, like how a lot of people, you know, viewed everything ever all at once. Where they a lot of people thought, you know, were, a lot of people were very moved by that film. I don't think Poor Things is going to be very moving. I think it's going to be kind of cold. Uh, whereas with something like The Favorite, The Favorite was definitely very like. It was it was a it was sort of a comedy, but like wrapped in this like classic, you know, best picture Oscar bait kind of uh, gloss over it. So I don't think that's going to happen. Also, I will say this: I see some people trying to predict poor things for visual effects. Don't. Don't no. I I didn't think it would have to be poor things that I'd be saying this with. I was wondering what that you know, uh, kind of art house film that people are gonna try to predict for visual effects is, and because like people were saying that about uh, the Green Knight, and I said no, that's not happening. It's not getting nominated. And then you have everything ever all at once. I said that's not happening. I literally said that the Green Knight and everything ever all at once were not even gonna get shortlisted. And then sure enough. I was right. I was right. 
And so with poor things, I see some people trying to put that at least outside of the top 10. I'm like, I don't, it's not even going to be top 20. I don't see why poor things, it's not groundbreaking people. It's not going to be a groundbreaking achievement in visual effects. It's just going to be a, like a, a kind of art house film with some crazy visuals. And even that's probably going to be more in the running for production design than visual effects. If anything else. Mm. But I could maybe see poor things getting in for adapted screenplay, but that's about it. I don't really see this getting in for best picture. Ferrari, I don't think that's happening. And then, you know, there's, yeah, a lot of them are just kind of like, you know, some more, like, j just nothing I'm really paying attention to. So, yeah, let's take a look at director. All right, number one is, weirdly enough, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. He is the number one most predicted person to be nominated and the number one most predicted person to win. I don't know why this is happening. Uh, I'm not saying I'd be against this. I mean, granted, I've not seen the film. But I don't know if we're in an era where, a f where Martin Scorsese would win a second Oscar. I don't know if they would do that. They could, maybe. But... I honestly like, okay, so let's take a look at the top five. Number one is Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Again, I think he's easily going to get nominated, but I, he's never going to win. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Again, I think he'll get nominated, but I don't think he'll ever win. Uh, number three is Celine Song for Past Lives. I'll get to her here in a bit because I have some things to say. Denis Villeneuve for Dune Part 2. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, like He's at number four. I'm going to be honest. I'm not even predicting him for director. I think he. I think we're going to get another another uh, Denis Villeneuve snub, uh, because, it, like, we've seen a trend where like the big spectacle directors get snubbed in favor of someone else, like like a, a, just some crazy wacky, uh, nomination. Because like we saw Inception get snubbed, we saw, uh what was it? Dune gets snubbed. Avatar the way of water got snubbed. And even when we try to get ahead of the, uh, when we try to get ahead of the race with like all quiet on the Western front, Edward Berger getting in for director, he didn't get nominated. So I feel like if you're a big spectacle director, like if you're directing a big spectacle film, you're, you're in trouble of getting snubbed. Cause like, I I'm sure Denis Villeneuve will get, will get in everywhere else. He'll probably get in at golden globes, critics choice, and uh, the uh, and the Directors Guild, but I don't think he's getting nominated. I think they're just not going to give Dune any kind of directing uh, nominations. Number five is Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. I'd probably put him a little bit higher up than, than a lot of these people. I'd probably put him at number two. Uh, at number six is Blitz Bazawule for The Color Purple. Maybe. I think maybe that happens. I think I did predict him initially, but maybe I need to go with someone else because I think I did see somebody that I wasn't really paying attention to. Um, number seven is Ridley Scott for Napoleon. God, people, why are we doing this? Like Napoleon's not going to get in anywhere. Ridley Scott is too hit or miss. He, like... Stop predicting Ridley Scott. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. It's not going to work out. Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Again, I, I he didn't even get nominated for director for A Star Wars Born, so I don't even expect him to get here for Maestro, unless somehow Maestro is like 
a big like best picture front runner unless like you know like something like that happens like that'd be weird but yeah Alexander Payne for the holdovers, mayhaps that could happen. Wes Anderson for Asteroid City, no. Greta Gerwig for Barbie. I feel like Film Twitter would love that, but I don't know if that would happen. At number 12 is Justine Triette for Anatomy of a Fall. Maybe I should predict her. I should probably put her in my predictions. Like, I, I probably have, because it seems to check off all the boxes. Anatomy of a Fall is, is going to be a best picture contender although will they nominate will the oscars nominate two international directors well actually no they have done it before what am i saying they literally did that with alfonso cuaron for roma and uh the guy who directed pavel pavelkowski pavel pavelkowski for cold war so yeah they've done that in the past so yeah you know what i think i might predict justine triad for anatomy of a fall and then you have Michael Mann for Ferrari, not going to happen. Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, nope, nope. I'm seeing a Ben Affleck for Air. I think maybe there's a chance that could happen at the Directors Guild. Maybe the Directors Guild, but not uh, the Oscars. No way. Someone's actually predicting Ari Aster for Bo is Afraid. That is hilarious. I, that, man, bless your soul. Like, that's never going to happen, but yeah. Uh, so, what do I think? I, honestly, I feel like Celine Song is most likely to win because I don't have a good argument for anyone else except for maybe either Jonathan Glazer or Justin Triette. Maybe those two could threaten, but like Martin Scorsese, I don't think he's going to win Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's a, I, I will get, I'll get to screenplay here in a bit, but I think he could win adapted screenplay, but I don't think that's happening. Uh, Denis Villeneuve for Dune, again, he's not going to get nominated. Maybe, maybe Jonathan Glazer, win, like, again, I think it is between Celine Song, Jonathan Glazer, and Justine Triette. One of those three could ha is, is probably going to happen. Celine Song could definitely, I, currently I think I have her as my number one for director, because it, like, like uh, the movie is, it is the most acclaimed film of the year. And... Grant, apparently from what I've heard, it's not a very showy movie, so maybe that could hurt it for director. Because I think Past Life is going to easily win original screenplay. Easily. But I don't know. Maybe I need to think about about Justine Triette and, Justine Triette and um, Jonathan Glazer a bit. Although Jonathan Glazer does seem like a very, like, BAFTA kind of winner, I feel. But I don't know. They did give the Oscar for Best Picture to uh, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know why people are still trying to hold on to Ridley Scott. Guys, it's not going to happen. And I really don't think Denis Villeneuve is going to get nominated for Dune Part 2. I think, again, the big spectacle directors are usually the first ones to go. So, yeah. I'm looking at any of the other people here not really seeing anything worth noting but yeah let's go to lead actress all right at number one they have gold derby has fantasia barino for the color purple uh at number two greta lee for past lives number three natalie portman for may december number four sandra huller for anatomy of a fall and number five for uh, which is an, uh, Annette Benning for Nyad. From what I've heard, 
Okay, now Grant, from what I've heard, uh, people need to be predicting Jessica Lange for long days journey into night. Cause like, for, like apparently that was a play and people are saying like, she won like a, like, a, like I think a Tony for that. And she's playing the role in, in the film. So like that could def, I think that could definitely slip into the top five Fantasia Brina for the color purple. From what we've seen in the trailer, she does seem to be very, very good. Uh, so we'll have to see. Uh, I think I was predicting her, but I'm, I'm just not sure. Greta Lee for past lives. That I think that's probably the big, I think honestly, in terms of nominations, she's probably the biggest lock. I like probably the biggest lock for a nomination. Uh, I don't really have much to say about Natalie Portman for May, December. Again, I don't have a lot of info on that film, but we'll have, but I think, th I think that's generally safe to say Sandra Hollow for anatomy of a fall. Again, I feel like that's, Again, very, very uh, likely that that'll happen. Emma Stone for poor things. I don't know. Maybe the Baptist will go for her, or maybe the Golden Globes for a comedy musical. We'll have to see. I don't, I barely know anything about Nyad, but it doesn't sound like a big Best Picture contender. Uh, so I'm kind of looking. And it's like nothing really stands out to me. So, right, I think Jessica Lange maybe should be way up there in the top five. So, yeah. Uh, Flint Strong. If I'm not mistaken, Flint Strong was taken out of 2023 and it's going to be coming out next year. So, I don't know why this is still here. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm nothing really. Wait, some. Uh, uh, that's a, okay, yeah. And, oh, San, and, and all the way down there is Sandra Huller for the Zone of Interest, which is at number 42. But, like, literally no one's predicting her. I don't know. Maybe she'll go lead. Maybe she'll go supporting, but that'd be kind of weird for like a double nomination. Best actor. They have uh, gold derby has Leonardo DiCaprio for killers of the flower moon at number one. I don't know if that's going to happen uh, or, or okay. And at least in terms of winning, I think he'll get nominated, but that uh, they do, nowadays at the Oscars, they don't really tend to go for like, you know, Oh, we want to give you another Oscar. Uh. But, but yeah, I don't know. Bradley Cooper for Maestro. That sounds safe at number two. Uh, Cillian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Currently, I have him at number one. They have a num at number three. Coleman Domingo for Rustin is at number four. I still need to see. I, I really need to see what kind of like if this film is going to be given a lot of pray like like if this film is like as like if this film gets really good reviews, then yeah, I'll probably uh, predict Coleman Domingo. But it's just so tough with some of these films. Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. I mean, if The Holdovers is as good as, as some people are saying it could be, then I think Paul Giamatti gets in. Uh, John David Washington for The Piano Lesson. If this film comes out this year, I think it's a. I think I'll put uh, John David Washington in the top five. I think I'll put him in the top five. Uh, Barry Keoghan is at number seven for assault burn. Again, I just need to see what the response for this film is like, because I just don't know. Joaquin Phoenix for Napoleon. Again, no, that's not. No, no. T.O.U. for past lives is all the way down at number 10. And I'm kind of shocked. I think he should be way up there unless more people are trying to get him into supporting. I don't know. Unless somehow T.O.U goes supporting. I don't see why he's not in the top five. Cause like, 
if, if this film is is supposedly going to be like a if Past Lives is going to be a big like best picture contender at least above the line, then like I don't see why he doesn't go along with it. Uh, Matt Damon for Air, I could see SAG going for him, not but uh, not really any Oscars probably. Kingsley Benadier for Bob Marley One Love. Funny enough, the trailer for Bob Marley One Love literally came out yesterday, and uh, it's not that good. It's not that good. I mean, okay, well, the, how? Okay, there's some interesting stuff in there. I will say, there's some interesting stuff. I should more so. I guess I'm talking about more so like Kingsley Benadier in it because he's not singing. Now, which granted didn't stop Rami Malek, but at the same time, he's playing, he's playing Freddie Mercury. So, but I don't know. Even I don't think he, I don't think Freddie, I don't think Rami Malek should have won for Bohemian Rhapsody. But like with Kingsley Benadier, he's not singing the role. Like, like the singing is done by other people, including Ziggy Marley, I think. But. I really like, I just don't like, here's my thing. If you're casting, if you're doing a musical biopic on someone, why not cast someone who can sing? I don't get it. Like look at Austin Butler and Elvis. Look at Jennifer Hudson in respect. They like, they are amazing actors and they can sing. If you're casting someone as Bob Marley, why not get a dude who can sing? I don't understand this. Like why? Like, there are 8 billion people on this planet. Surely you can find someone who's a really good actor and a really good singer who can play Bob Marley. Like, I don't understand this, but especially seeing the trailer, I don't think that's happening. I, I do not think Kingsley Benadier is getting nominated for Bob Marley with One Love. Michael Fassbender is at number 13 for The Killer. I don't know. It's It sounds like a thriller. It is being directed by uh, David Fincher, which does help, but at the same time, it's a thriller, So, and, and the Oscars don't really like their thrillers. Anthony Hopkins for Freud's Last Session. I mean, it's Anthony Hopkins. I, I need to see a trailer, especially, to go off of, but we'll have to see. And then there's some others, which nothing's really, you know, uh, no, nothing's really coming to mind, so, yeah. Yeah, nothing really. Uh, best supporting actress. All right, the uh, at number one is they have uh, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, I think if Killers of the Flower Moon is going to win anything, it's going to be supporting actress. Like the narrative around her and how much, like how everyone is just praising her performance in the film. I feel like that's just ripe for a win. That it's just the right combination. So yeah. Uh, Taraji P, uh, weirdly enough, Danielle Brooks is all the way down to number four, which is kind of strange considering how, like, everyone was saying, at least the people I follow are saying, like, Danielle Brooks's character in The Color Purple is, like, one of the big standout supporting performances. And the fact that she's below Taraji P. Henson is, it, like, that's that's crazy. Julianne Moore from May, December. I, again, I feel like that's a safe pick. Uh, number five, Viola Davis for air. I'm not going to lie. I don't think she gets in. I think she gets sag. I think this movie, I think air gets a bunch of sag nominations, but I don't think she gets in for supporting actress, especially like, and especially since I have seen air, nothing about her performance really stood out as like Oscar worthy. Nothing really. So like, I don't know. 
Emily Blunt and Oppenheimer. Some people are a bit apprehensive. Maybe there's a chance. I mean that, that she gets in, uh, because, uh, she, she is in one of Christopher Nolan's more dialogue driven films, which would probably also equate to more acting driven or like more acting, you know, a, a more, more of an acting driven film. Which, so yeah. Danielle Deadweiler for the piano lesson again, August Wilson. Can't I can't, you can't really go wrong with that. I just need to see what, like, like if this film is actually getting nominated and number seven, they have divine divine or divine joy Randolph for the holdovers. And from what I've heard, um, if the holdovers is getting in for best picture, she's going to go along with it. So, all right. Uh, number nine, Florence Pugh for Oppenheimer. Or, now we're getting into some of the more, like, eh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Eh, eh, eh. Like Kathy Bates for Are You There, God's Me, Margaret. That that would sound, that does sound nice, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, nothing really much to say here. And then we get to supporting actor. This is interesting. We have at number one, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon. That's That's interesting. Although I am a bit apprehensive on that because uh, now great. He is the most predicted to be nominated and the most predicted to win, but I don't know the pro like, again, I've not seen it. And some people are saying he could win, but like a lot of people were saying like Robert De Niro was going to win the Oscar for lead actor for the Irishman back the back when it was coming out. So, and he didn't even get anywhere. The closest he ever got was critics choice. And they, and they had like what? Seven, six, seven, eight nominees for best lead actor. So yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Again, I think there's a chance he he could get nominated, but even then, it's Robert Robert De Niro hasn't Robert De Niro has not been nominated for anything since Silver Linings Playbook, and before that, you'd have to go back quite a way quite a ways back for another nomination. So we'll have to see, but yeah. Coleman Domingo for the color purple. I have no idea how big his character is in, in the musical. So I maybe if he does have like a big presence that could definitely happen. Uh, so yeah, John Majaro for past lives. I think that's an easy assumption to make again. If I'm saying that past lives is going to get in above the line, a bunch of above, above the line nominations. I think he'll go along with it. I think the main cast in general will just go along with it. Samuel L. Jackson for the piano lesson. That's interesting uh, because there is a big narrative, you know, that Samuel L. Jackson has not gotten an Oscar nomination since Pulp Fiction, which was his only Oscar nomination. And since this is an August Wilson play, that's definitely going to boost him a few notches. Again, if this movie's coming out this year, I probably will predict him. Uh, Ryan Gosling for Barbie. Once again, the, is this too good to be true? Is Ryan Gosling for Barbie too good to be true? I don't know. Uh, if this film is like one of the best reviewed films of the year, then yeah. And which is, but I will say this is actually kind of lower than I thought it was going to be because I remember early on, like people were saying, oh yeah, Ryan Gosling could win supporting actor. For Barbie, and so far, no one's uh, like predicting him to win, which is interesting. Like he's all the way down at number five, so he's vulnerable. We'll have to see. Although I did see that clip uh, that released of Ken, and it's so funny. 
So, yeah, again, if this movie is just as good as everyone's hoping it is, and Ryan Gosling is just as good as everyone hopes he is, I think this could get in for... I think he definitely has a shot at winning supporting actor, especially since it's a very unique performance amongst a lot of the other performances we may see here. And number six, we have Jesse Plemons for killers of the flower moon. I have, again, I haven't seen this movie. I've heard that he doesn't really do a whole lot, but who knows? Uh, number seven is Tom Hardy for the, actually a lot of these like, like six through 10 each have three predictions for nominations. So I guess they're basically tied. Cause you also have Tom Hardy for the bike riders. I don't know if that sounds like a best, like a, an Oscar contender, but we'll have to see Charles Melton for May, December from what I've heard. I'd probably predict him Mark Ruffalo for poor things. I don't think that's happening. Matt Damon for Oppenheimer. Maybe again, we'll have to see how Oppenheimer fares in terms of acting, but maybe, uh, at number 11, we have Glenn Turman for Rustin. Again, I need to see how well that film performs and uh, critically to, to predict it for anything. Glenn Howerton for Blackberry. I've heard a lot of people saying amazing things about him in Blackberry. Although for apparently IFC is the distributor and that's not a good sign because IFC is really bad at, uh, campaigning. Like the only film I think they've gotten in for best picture, if I'm if I'm correct, is Boyhood, and even then that didn't win, and only one supporting actress. So yeah, and there's some other predictions that people are making, like uh, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. Maybe we'll have to again. I just need to see how all these films are playing. Brian Tyree Henry for Flintstrong again. It's not coming out this year. Why is it still on Gold Derby? Brian like Flintstrong is not coming out this year. If it was, maybe I would predict it, but so far it's not. Willem Dafoe for Poor Things. No, that's I think that's a film Twitter thing that people want to see. I'm trying to see what else could possibly happen. Nothing really is standing out to me. So yeah. Uh, what is it? Oh yeah. Now we're getting into adapted screenplay. Huh? All right. Let's see. Number one is killers of the flower moon. Number, uh, it has the most predictions to be nominated and the most predictions to win. Uh, number two is Oppenheimer. Number three is the zone of interest. Number four is Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. And number five is Dune part two. Honestly, a very solid top five. I, I don't know if I can really complain. Maybe poor things gets in there. Maybe. Uh, but I don't think the P P the piano lesson is at number six. I don't think so. August Wilson plays. I think fences did get nominated, but even then, like we're start, we're starting to see that shift change where more stage adaptations don't get nominated for screenplay. Unless they are doing something in the screenplay that is very, very apparent that it is a film. Uh, the Killer, I don't think that's happening. Are You There, God's Me, Margaret? I could see a Critics' Choice or Writers Guild nomination for this, but probably not. Probably not for the Oscar. Not with this kind of box office. Poor Things, maybe. I think that's a possibility. Color Purple, no. Barbie, if this film, again, if Barbie is as good as people are saying it is, maybe that happens. Maybe that happens. Uh, but yeah, oh, honestly, oh, oh God, I forgot 
because like one of the things I was saying when the polls first came out is like, how come they don't have the collaboration anywhere? Like, how come Gold Derby does not have the collaboration? Now, if you don't know what the collaboration is, it's an Anthony McCartan uh, written film. And Anthony McCartan is a big Oscar darling. He was nominated for Adapted Screenplay for The Theory of Everything, which also got Best Picture. Uh, He was nominated for Best Picture for Darkest Hour. And I think he also wrote the film, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think he was also... A, I think he was, I think he also, he also wrote Bohemian Rhapsody, which was also nominated for Best Picture. And then most recently he got nominated for Adapted Screenplay for The Two Popes. And so with that kind of track record, I don't know why the collaboration isn't on here unless they think it's not coming out this year, which if that's the case, why is the piano lesson there? Because the piano lesson doesn't, isn't confirmed to come out this year either. So, yeah, I don't know why the collaboration is on here. Because if it was, I'd, ver- I'd very seriously put maybe put that in the top five. But at the same time, who do I take out? Because it is, admittedly, it is a very stacked category. It is very, very stacked. Uh, and I think all this kind of hinges on Spider-Man. Because if Spider-Man is not uh, strong... Uh, later on in awards season and it's not being because I get what I say earlier if Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is going to be a best picture contender it needs screen it needs adapted screenplay it needs screenplay so I don't like it needs screenplay so like do I put in the collaboration now great I will say, if the collaboration is just not coming out this year, then I think this is your five. I think if the collaboration is not coming out in 2023, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Zone of Interest, Spider-Man, Dune, those are your nominees. And I think it's kind of done. Now, I will say, I don't think Killers of the Flower Moon is going to win. I think out of these, it probably could be Oppenheimer. Because this is a very new kind of screenplay. Because... Uh, from what we know, uh, Oppenheimer's screenplay is written in the first person, which is kind of unique. It's a very unique screenplay. And considering this is one of Christopher Nolan's most dialogue-driven films in years, that could very well factor in. And then there's also the fact that I mentioned earlier, it is a very timely film in how we, we are, you know, on the brink of nuclear warfare with, like, you know, Russia and uh, North Korea and stuff a lot. Like it could get very messy. So with Oppenheimer, it, it, again, it feels very timely. And plus it could also just feel like, you know, we like, this is our chance to give Christopher Nolan an Oscar. Like the, there's that not, the, the, there is that like, he's been nominated for screenplay a few times. He's been nominated for best director for Dunkirk, got two best picture nominations. And I feel like this would be a good way to honor uh, Christopher Nolan. I feel like there's a lot of, like circumstances that I think Oppenheimer is a sleep. I think there's a lunch, a bunch of circumstances that make Oppenheimer a sleeper in some of these categories. The zone of interest. I feel like again, easy nomination and Dune part two. If the collaboration, uh, here's the thing. I will say this. If the collaboration is coming out this year, then either Spider-Man or Dune is in trouble. One of those two is in trouble. And if Dune's screenplay is not as strong as the first films, uh, 
or maybe there's just too much competition. Who knows? Then it could get out, or if Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is just not that popular amongst the film industry in terms of, like, the overall film industry for nominations, then uh, Spider-Man could be cut out as well. So, yeah. And, I, yeah, I'm not, not really much to say else about... Um, Golder about you know or, or about adapted screenplay, and then you have original screenplay, which already again you have some pretty good uh, contenders. Past Lives is number one for nominations and for a win. I think that it takes it's an easy cakewalk. It's going to take that uh, Oscar easily. Anatomy of a Fall, uh, sure. I think that's I think that gets in. That's at number two. Uh, number three is the Holdovers. If uh, you know if if the holdovers is a big best picture contender and it is much more like what we come to expect from Alexander Payne in a good way, then yeah, that gets in. Saltburn, I might be willing to predict it right now, maybe, but at the same time, I got, it is. It, I need to see what people think about this film. Air is at number five, and I'm kind of shocked because Air should be number two. Because there is a very good chance I could see this winning the writers. I, I could see, I could see Air winning Writers Guild, and it is a very likable, agreeable film. You know, maybe not everyone loves it, but a lot of people at least seem to like it. It, it does seem like that very likable movie, of uh, in terms of screenplay. Maestro, I need like, once again. I need to see what people think about that. Same thing I said that about you know Saltburn. Number seven, Napoleon. Stop it. Stop doing that. Uh, May, December is at number eight. I think that there's a good chance of that happening. Asteroid City is at number nine. I feel like this would be like a number nine-ish kind of film for original screenplay. I could see this getting in for original, for like the Writers Guild, because they did that with the French Dispatch, and I didn't think they would do that. But here we are. Asteroid City, I think, like, it's, it's at least worth entertaining the conversation, but I don't think it gets in. And at least not in the Oscars. Rustin is at number 10. Eh. Again, I need to see how that film fares. Fair play. I don't even know what that is. Joyride. I could see Joyride getting in at Writers Guild, but overall, nothing really else. Wait, Drive Away Dolls is all the way at number 16. What are you doing? 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 If this is being written by Ethan Cohen, I think it's Ethan Cohen or one of the Cohen brothers. I'd say this is like an easy, like, top five. At least, at least right now, like as of July 2023, it is, I feel like Drive Away Dolls should be an easy like number or at least like an easy top five. That's strange that no one is predicting it. That is just absolutely nuts. Overall, uh, it is, I, again, we, we, this is all, these are all the categories we have at Gold Derby right now. Uh, 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 what Gold Derby has right now. God, I can't speak today, but yeah, it, it, it is pretty interesting to see that even the experts are really gung ho about predicting Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse for best picture. That is pretty insane. So there is that, uh, anyways, Moving on to another topic, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Let me just... Good God, people. Good God. Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. People are loving the absolute shit out of this film. Uh, and so, 
It currently it has a 99% of Rotten Tomatoes with 142 reviews. Only two critics don't like it. This is insane. Like these these are insane reviews. Wait, what the wait, what in the world? Wait, hold on. I'm just I'm losing my mind right now. Wait. What? What the what in the world? Okay, uh breaking news just now. Oh, I guess maybe not just now. I'm just now seeing it, but like Oh my god. Jennifer Garner is returning as Electra in Deadpool 3? Whoa. Okay. Um, that's nuts. Jennifer Garner as Electra. That's straight. What? I'm, I guess I'm not saying this in a negative way because I trust the writers of Deadpool. Like I trust Ryan Reynolds. Like he know. like I think the Deadpool movies are fantastic. This is strange. What kind of movie are they going for? Are they actually going for like a big multiverse kind of film with Deadpool? That's that. Oh my God. Who else could we see? Could we see like the OG X-Men? Could, what, what in the world is happening? Like what in the world is happening with this film? Let, hold on. Let, let's go to the Hollywood reporter. All right. Let's, let's go to the Hollywood reporter and uh, read what's going on here. After nearly after a nearly 20-year hiatus, the actress is returning to the role of Marvel Comics' assassin anti-heroine Deadpool, for Deadpool 3, sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. The Marvel Studios production is currently shooting with Ryan Reynolds, reprising his fan-favorite part of the fourth wall uh, breaking Merc with a Mouth. Hugh Jackman has come out of Marvel retirement to play Wolverine once again. Uh, so, okay, uh... Wait, okay, her involved. Okay, it says her involvement in Deadpool 3 hints at some sort of multiverse angle to the film that has long been rumored and is possible that other characters from Marvel films made by Fox could pop up. But this being Deadpool, one can't rule out some meta self-awareness either. That is crazy. What in the world are they doing with Deadpool 3? That is fascinating. I Like... There is a little bit of that worry me where I'm like, is this going to get too big? Is this going to be like too big for its own good? But at the same time, uh, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm willing to go along with it because I, I, I do trust Ryan Reynolds with Deadpool. Like he, he like the Deadpool. I, I even think Deadpool two was great. I loved Deadpool. Deadpool is fantastic. And Deadpool two, I thought was also great. This is crazy though. This is crazy. Like Jennifer Garner as Electra. And the thing is people didn't even like Electra. That's the that's the thing. So if Jennifer Garner as Electra is coming back, anyone could come back now. Like I think obviously we're looking at the original like X-Men cast returning. Like we could see like uh Professor Xavier, 
uh, we could see, like play by like play by uh, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. We could see Ian McKellen as Magneto. Maybe Halle Berry as Storm. Uh, a lot of the other people in those movies, but like who else? Like the, there's no way they would get Ben Affleck. Actually, no, there's no way they would get Ben Affleck for Daredevil. Absolutely, there, there's no way they would do that. Uh, man, like who else could they get? Fantastic Four actors, maybe. Like, could they? Oh my! What if they got the 2015 cast for Fantastic Four, the ones that everyone hated? That would be kind of funny, and but also kind of cool. I mean, even though I'm not gonna lie, I'm one, I was one of the few people who kind of liked the 2015 Fantastic Four. So did I say 2014 at first? I don't know. Uh, but 20 the 2015 Fantastic Four. If, if they made an appearance, that'd be funny. Or what if they use this as like a vehicle to bring in the new Fantastic Four? That'd be, that'd be interesting to see. Because they were, ca- they were trying to cast them uh, earlier this year. So we'll have to see, but that's crazy. Like Jennifer Garner as Elektra. What I'm wondering how, what, how crazy this Deadpool movie is going to be. How crazy Deadpool three will be. Cause that is nuts. Anyways, back to Mission Impossible. Uh, with Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, it has like a 99% of Rotten Tomatoes with 142 reviews. Like, it's through the roof. And I, the reason why earlier in the podcast I said I think I might be in some film Twitter trouble is because I said, do we need to, like, keep Mission Impossible in the back pocket for Best Picture? And so many, like, reputable like Oscar predictor prediction experts said, no, no, it's not happening. What are you thinking? No, I'm just like, look, I'm not predict. Currently I'm not predicting mission impossible. All I'm saying is we've seen weird stuff happen. We've seen weird stuff happen. Weird stuff has happened with these films. Or, or like weird stuff has happened, I should say, with like action movies and best picture. Because no one thought Mad Max Fury Road was going to get nominated for best picture. No one thought Mad Max Fury Road was getting nominated. Because like like none of the and none of the other Mad Max Fury Road n- none of the other Mad Max movies I should say ever got close to being nominated for any Oscars. And then you have Top Gun Maverick, which again, no one expected anything out of that. And then boom, nomination for best picture. All I'm saying is I'm not nominated. I'm not predicting mission impossible, but with these kind of reviews, I'm, 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 I'm probably side-eyeing this a bit. I'm probably going like, I'm, 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 I'm not keeping my eyes off of it. All I'm saying is I'm putting it in the back pocket. I'm not pulling it out. You know, I'm not, I'm not laying the card down on the table. I'm just keeping it there. Because who knows what could happen? These reviews are absolutely extraordinary. And especially if this movie like makes a billion dollars. Oh my God. If this film makes over a billion dollars and it's still holding these kind of reviews, let's say it drops down to like 97. All right. Maybe I might pump the brakes a bit, which granted it could very well do. But the fact that it's at 142 reviews, it's still at 99 at 99%. And yeah, okay, now it's at 143 reviews, still only two negative reviews. 
I just I don't I keep it. I'm again. I'm not now. I'm, I'm not predicting it. Excuse me. All I'm saying is, keep it on the back burner. Keep it on the back burner because who knows what could happen. And guys, I think that might do it for this episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, as I said before, if you want to support me more directly, especially, you know, nowadays, cause like I'm trying to find a job I'm trying to, you know, put food on the table. I'm trying to pay bills and rent and stuff. If you can support me on Ko-Fi, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Christian or you can become a channel member on the Hannacast YouTube channel. That would, that would very much be appreciated. Uh, if in doing so, you'll get a lot of perks. I could, I could probably do some like requested reviews, uh, Q and A's and stuff. You'll get your name in my videos. But like I said, it's ko-fi.com slash Christian Hanna. Any help would be appreciated. And also while you're there, consider subscribing to the podcast or subscribing to the YouTube channel, because if you don't, maybe you will return for Deadpool three.